0: This is a short bite episode of Homeschool Together. Hello, and welcome to Homeschool Together Short Bite Edition. If you homeschool your children and like to play games, you likely have a nostalgia for 1990s movies, like my wife does.
1: <laughs> Why are those two correlated?
0: Ignore her. Her. <laughs> Her.
1: I mean, I do have an affinity for 1990s movies because I am a child of the 1990s. Or, well then, I don't know.
0: Well, then we have a game for you. <laughs> Brought to you by Disney. There was a famous movie in the early 90s. Um,
1: it got like a 39% tomato rating. I looked Bette Midler,
0: a very young, what was that, Sarah Michelle Gellar?
1: Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah three, Jessica Parker. It was a three named Sarah, but you, you're very close. The S- Sex and, and City and, Lady. And, Who's the... And, and the best of all, yeah, well, N.A. She... Jimmy. My Favorite Nun from Sister Act.
0: <laughs> That's right, the the Favorite Nun from Sister Act. Um we have the game Hocus Pocus.
1: <laughs> That's right. We're starting off our uh, short series here on uh
0: spooky s-
1: Halloween too, themed games. Too
0: spooky. Too spooky. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For the month of October, so we wanted to share uh the game Hocus Pocus with you which is from Ravensburger Ooh. and got a cool little book-shaped uh box that it comes in here like a spell book yeah this is a cooperative game so for two to six players about half an hour
0: and the age age range like seven eight up
1: yeah it says eight up and i think that's accurate in all full disclosure we played several rounds of this with our adult friends and we lost so (laughs) well it, it is a cooperative game it is cooperative so
0: it has so Just to remember, cooperative games tend to be, uh, there has to be a game mechanic that is kind of counting down to something, or there's some element that is being reduced that is causing the game to come to a completion before you can achieve your goals.
1: Right. So you as a team are trying to, in this case, you're trying to stun the Sanderson sisters three times. You can stun either Mary, Sarah, or um, Winifred. Uh, But you're laughing at me because I know all the names.
0: Well... Because you have nostalgia for for cheesy nineties movies.
1: I do, listen. Don't don't be hating. I'm not. So so uh <laughs> so you can stun the sisters. Um you can stun each one of them or you can stun one of them three times, and once you've done that, you have successfully defeated the the sisters. Um in order to do that, you have a cauldron in front of you with five different uh, piles for cards to go like, in they're like
0: different ingredients for the right the witch's brew so
1: it's really fun it's uh, eye of newt dead man's <laughs> toe um so it's all the ingredients from the movie which is really great um and then what you're doing is those ingredients it's both an ingredient and a ingredient type and a color so you're playing cooperatively and you're adding things into these five piles within the the cauldron um and it's kind of like Uno rules. You have to match the previous card color or ingredient type, either mm-hmm. one, in whatever pile you can play on any of the piles. But you have to do all of it without talking amongst the players about what you're going to do. So yeah, you're trying. This, to, this is a game
0: where you can't cooperate. You, you're cooperating, but you can't communicate. It's minimal communication, yeah, it's very right? Very minimal.
1: So you're trying to get. In order to stun the sisters, you need to get all of the ingredients to either all be the same color, or all be the same type, or all be a different. All be the same type, but all different colors all different colors represented so you can do any of those three you don't and it stuns a different sister which is fine Uh, and on your turn the only thing you're allowed to do is ask one question of another player and it has to be like do you have any green cards Mm-hmm. Um, or do you have any, you know, dead man's toe and, <laughs> um, thine own tongue. Do you have any of that? And so <laughs> people answer those questions and then that get, that informs you on how you should, you know, what cards you should place into the cauldron. Um, there's some special things too. There's a little Binks cat meeple, yep. which I thought was really cool. And if you play a card with the Binks on it, it, uh, you get to put it in front of anybody and their hand is face up on the table. So everyone mm-hmm. knows what they have and we can work with that. And then there's some of the ingredient cards that have a little spell book on them. And when that happens, the sisters play a spell. And this is where the game kind of comes back at you. In, in cooperative games, there's always, like you say, there's always a countdown mechanic. But there's also something... There's waters
0: the, rise tiles or, um, you know, the, contagion uh, cards right. for for like pandemic outbreak, like right. outbreak cards. Yeah,
1: Yeah, there's always something, but there's also something that... So there's the countdown, but then there's also something where the game interacts against you. And that's mm-hmm. what these spells are. This is where the game pushes against you and it'll, you know, have you discard all blue ingredients or, I mean, all the spells are different cards. They do different things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so those hurt your team. Now, when a witch is currently stunned, her spells have no effect. So that's kind of fun, um, when that happens, but it's really great. If you have any nostalgia for the movie at all, like clearly I do. Um, it's really fun because all of the spell cards, uh, everything, and there's a couple of cards that can help you. There's a Billy, yeah. there's a Billy card that can help you, and there's a few different things, and um, it, it's it's all from the from the movie. But more than that, it's a really good game.
0: Yeah, like it, we we found it to be, I, f- I found it to be a little bit more challenging than I thought it would be, and right. in in a cooperative sense, that's kind of fun because you're it can be very much of a struggle especially with the the reduction of the communication because normally when you play a cooperative game you're you're thinking out strategy and mm-hmm. you're you're trying to figure out what's the next best path and things of that nature and this you couldn't do that so it made it a lot more difficult a lot more challenging i think it's you know one of the reasons why we lost so many times
1: right but i think it was really fun and you could definitely the, there's one mechanic in the game that when you do stun a witch it takes a part of your cards go away um, for the next round. Mm -hmm. And eventually, if you can't draw any more cards, you lose. And that's how we kept losing. Mm -hmm. Um, So you could definitely make this a little bit easier if you wanted to um, by not taking quite so many cards. I mean, there's adaptions that you could make maybe we're going to have to make. (laughs) One of the things I like about games like this that are cooperative but don't have the same communication rules is that you don't get that alpha player-ness. Right In games like, I mean, you talked about like Pandemic or even Forbidden Island. Yeah, like Forbidden
0: Island or Pandemic, there tends to be a character because you're you're drawing characters. And there's always somebody who's a little overpowered. Mm -hmm. Like in Forbidden Island, it's like the helicopter pilot or um in the or the engineer in the pandemic it's the engineer right cuz i can clear out all all the tokens on Yeah that's right. I
1: don't or know no, is that is that the outbreak? No no that's
0: a scientist. No no there was the the outbreak coordinator or something like that. Yeah something like one, that. One one of them they can clear all the outbreak tiles from one city. Medic. Now, the yeah, medic. the medic. Yeah, he can he can clear them all out. Like there's always those cards that tend to be those characters a that... little bit overpowered.
1: Or, or even if you don't have a character who's overpowered, you just have a one player that kind of is like the team leader and tells yeah. everybody else what to do. Okay, you move your guy over here, and then I'm going to do this, and you over there, you do this, yeah. and kind of directs the game. It's difficult to play sometimes with an alpha player. It's really tough for us as parents to not try to be the alpha player yes. with our kids yeah. because we are all working cooperatively. And so it can be hard to like take a step back and let them take the lead. So these games are kind of fun because it's an opportunity for us all to be on an even playing field. Another game that's kind of like this is, um, but with many less rules is Hanabi, which mm-hmm. was a yeah. Spiel winner one year. Uh, that also has no communication allowed. Uh, except a single question and that can be there's a there's definitely a communication skills mm-hmm. that are earned in uh in a game where you can't communicate very much <laughs> i know that sounds really strange but for example when we play this or we or played hanabi you know i would i would ask a question and then you would play something i'd be like what what are you doing he goes well and we're talking after the game well, you asked this question, which led me to believe you wanted me to do yes. this. Yeah. And so. The like, rabbit hole of thinking. You right. Know, of the way that I communicated it was more than just a question that I asked. It was it was how you interpreted it and what actions you thought to take from that. And so there's a lot of really intangible skills to be learned in a game mm-hmm. like this. Obviously, there's, there's strategy, which is great, um, and, and matching and some of that easy stuff. But I think more than anything, it's the the strategic forethought and the way that you communicate and who you ask the question of and what question you ask and how everyone at the table interprets that question that's much more subtle in a game like this. I don't know what your
0: thoughts are. No, no, I agree. Uh, I think it's, it's, um, taking the, the ability to plan and and strategize, uh, (laughs) your game, a play. Um, and especially for a younger player, you know, that, that is something they have to internalize and then also, they have to infer from your actions or your questions how you think the rules are being played and how you are strategizing for that this game and that is like an it's a very abstract way of thinking and i and i think that's a great skill mm-hmm. especially if you're going to be playing more advanced games against you know more challenging players for example if you're going to play like deck builders or you're going to be playing challenge games like kind of a magic type of thing or if you're doing sort of like a Dungeons and Dragons thing where you're trying to think about what the person you're playing against is trying to do. Like, what are they thinking? And how can I, you know, pin them in a certain area? That's it's If you go maybe back to our our episode on chess last week or two weeks ago, that's the type of thinking they're doing there. You're not just, you know, moving characters and trying to do your own little thing. You're trying to anticipate what the other player's doing. And I think that's like a great skill to learn, especially even in the real world. Like if you're in a a, a talk or you're trying to give a presentation or you're trying to negotiate something with somebody, you don't just go in and negotiate your point. You try to anticipate what they're going to do so that you can then, you know, articulate a different thing or put them into a position where they they were going to give you concessions or that you're going to be able to get things that you need to accomplish and not in a manipulative way, but being able to see the totality of what you're going into is I think games like this and games like cooperative games, I think those allow you to, you know, learn those skills. And I think are very complex. It's a complex abstract level of thinking to anticipate what other people are thinking, um, that I think can extend into real life, you know, areas, you know, maybe you feel like you're in debate, like Mm -hmm. if you're in a debate club or something of that nature, debaters tend to try to see what the other person's gonna say or anticipate what they're gonna mm-hmm. say and then you craft your arguments to get in front of that. One of the, I think, in cinema where this is uh, showcased the best was in 8 Mile when Eminem is at the final rap battle and instead of like going after the guy, he disses himself through his whole last song. Mm-hmm. And when he did that, he took away the other guy's entire repertoire of things. And so when it was his turn, He froze. And it was, you know, in the movie, that was a great way how, how he turned, you know, his fear of performing and freezing and he made his opponent freeze. And by making that switch and that you see that in a lot of movies, you see in a lot of war movies where somebody outthinks the other person. So anyway, these type of games, I think, put you into the mindset of like anticipating and trying to figure out what other people are going to do. And I think that's a skill that can be applied, you know, all throughout private life and corporate life and, and school and, and even just thinking about like, you know, oh, I'm trying to think about what is the teacher going to ask on the test, you know, the physics test? Well, he really pushed these concepts in the last few weeks. I think he's going to put something on the test like this, like trying to see what's important, I think is a, is a good skill to learn.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it is. And when you can't, when you can't talk uh, too much, um, you, ha- you do have to, you do have to kind of interpret. I think it's it's one thing to be, you know, in in other games that you're adversarial, right? You yeah. you know, you're playing your risks and things like that. You're chess, you're trying to foresee what the other person's going to do, and that's defensive. Uh but in this game, you're all working together yeah. and, and I think it's a good way to learn. I think it's a I, I good think, way to learn the dynamics. I think that's dynamics. one
0: of the reason why we're big fans of cooperative games. You know, outside of the aspect that it's not you don't have that like competitive nature mm-hmm. against the other person. You're it's cooperative and that's That's a skill we want people to learn, especially, you know, when they get into school or they are working on projects or Mm – you know, they're doing a job and they need to cooperate with other people. These these are great games to allow you to do that. And so that's one of, you know.
1: I wish these kind of games existed when we were kids. I would have loved to play. I We have so many cooperative games yeah. now in our collection. And I just, I really, I love them all for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just another great one. And it's great for Halloween time. It's perfectly themed and timed. It's great
0: to tickle the 1990s nostalgia. It is. Yeah. It is.
1: I'm gonna fully admit. I totally dug this. Um, you can usually grab it at Target. I think they also sell it on Amazon. We'll put a link in the show notes. But um,
0: yeah, cue up Hocus Pocus on Disney. Yeah, this Plus. is like a
1: sub twenty put, twenty dollar game. I love that.
0: Put the Pearl Jam, the you know, the classic rock into this <laughs> into this into the CD player, and and feel like you're in the '90s again. Play a little Hocus Pocus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little Hocus Pocus.